Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm Dr. Yishan, a board-certified sleep psychologist. I have interviewed many guests who struggled with some kind of sleep disorders. I notice there's one thing in common: that they all spend many, many years with different doctors before they finally clarify the diagnosis of some sleep disorders. And since COVID over the past several years. I heard even more challenging stories about sleep. So, have many sleep doctors noticed anything different over the past several years? And what can we do about that? Let's hear some wisdom from Dr. Heidi Reini. She's board certified in sleep medicine and neurology, and she's also the chief medical officer of Knox Health. Don't walk away. We'll be right back. So, Thanksgiving is coming up. Do you want to get a quiet and restful sleep during the holiday break? Quiet on sleep earbuds can help you cancel the noises in your bedroom, including your bed partner's snoring sound, and it can give you a quiet sleep environment. For all my listeners, you can get ten percent off with the coupon code Deep Into Sleep Ten, and additional fifty dollar off their website from November twenty first to the end of Cyber Monday. So for the holiday season, you get double discount. If you want to give it a try, this may be a good time. Okay, now let's welcome Dr. Rainey. Hi, welcome, Dr. Rainey. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Thank you for having me. So I'm very excited. I know you've been in the、uh, sleep medicine field for a while, and、uh, to get started, just.、Uh, Want to? How about you introduce yourself a little bit to our audience and help us understand what gets you into the field of sleep medicine? Absolutely. So、um, I am actually a neurologist by training. So I trained down here in Atlanta at Emory many years ago. I don't want to say how long ago because it will age me. I got started during after my neurology residency.、Um, I had a big passion, really, for looking at preventive health,、um, and I see I saw a lot of that with sleep. So we are in the stroke belt, and we found, you know, that you know when you're seeing people with the catastrophic effects of stroke, you want to know what can we do to reduce the risk of that happening. Or you know, just definitely in neurology, there are a lot of things like chronic pain, as far as headaches and back pain, that we would also see, and the idea that. Working in a field where you might be able to reduce the risk of that happening or the effects that has on someone was really exciting, and you get to work with kids and adults, which also was a passion for me. So that was how it started, and started at Fusion Sleep Clinic, which is here in Atlanta. Was medical director there, still medical director there, and then became chief medical officer of Knox Health,、um, and that was earlier this year. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. Wow! So you've been in this field working with like general neu- neurology medicine, and then you see a lot of sleep problem. I'm curious, what kind of common sleep issues you've been observing in your patients, both adults, children, that got you really interested? Initially, I mean, a lot of it we would see,、um, and I saw a lot of it more when I was, you know, I think when I was going through my residency, I didn't notice it as much. And part of it was we didn't really get taught a lot about sleep medicine. In our training, you know, I think in medical school、um, and residency, you're seeing all these other things, and we didn't have as much time devoted to it. And I think that's still universally an issue that we would hopefully like to change. You know, I think that's we've talked about the passion of sleep medicine, and 
educating as many people around about um, how sleep impacts everybody. I think definitely when I, you know, got involved in sleep medicine, um, I was able, you know, then you know the questions to ask and what to see. And really, you know, everybody is impacted by, you know, sleep disorders of some sort. It's such a, a prevalent issue that's very much underdiagnosed. So, you know, definitely we see a lot with obstructive sleep apnea, insomnia, restless leg syndrome, delayed sleep phase or circadian rhythm disturbances, um, you know, disorders of what we call sleep and wake cycle. So, you know, are people who are, you know, may have narcolepsy or idiopathic hypersomnia. And so there's a lot of things that we see that people don't realize may be related to their sleep. And definitely we know that it can have impacts in the issues that they have. So both short-term and long-term. Yeah, I totally agree. I remember in my clinic, I used to see some um, teenagers and they came in, described all these symptoms related to narcolepsy, but they have no idea, right? They were diagnosed as um, like psychosis and depression, being on medication for years, nothing worked. So that's very sad. It's just not a lot of um, people really think about the possibility about sleep disorders. You're exactly right. I mean, and I think that's a common thread where people may go literally for years and years and they go to a ton of doctors. I mean, we definitely see that people with sleep disorders spend more money, you know, than others, both as far as clinic visits, prescriptions, you know, and a lot of it, I think, is trying to search for why do I have what do I have, you know, and they'll go to multiple specialists because they might have a couple different things that are related to potentially an undiagnosed sleep disorder, Um, And that's part of the education that we want to do is to say, at least think about it, ask the questions early on, because one, we might be able to hopefully prevent or reduce the risk of some of these chronic diseases, um, but also give people this diagnosis early or give them the tips and the, you know, the tools to say, hey, do I have something going on? And, you know, we find a lot of people are really well educated now, I guess, as far as looking for a lot of times they're their own advocates, which I love. Um, yeah, yeah, I know there's a lot of support groups out there and people really help, you know, uh, advocate for what they've been through and help people understand. So if someone, you know, they've been trying to find some answers in their own symptoms, not sure what yet, and they are questioning sleep issues, where can they find, a, you know, solid, well-trained doctors that understand sleep issues? Is that easy to find nowadays? It's a very good question. Um, you know, part of what we did initially and, and part of what we do as well as, and I'll kind of explain a little bit more what we do with Knox Health is, you know, try to give people access to come to the, you know, come to the right place and really to developing a community and relationships with referring physicians and specialists to help guide people to, you know, to come find someone who can help answer those questions. Um, and so that is part of our goal. So, you know, with Fusion Sleep, we see people in our Atlanta community. And then we also have Sleep Charge, which is a national telemedicine-based program where we have sleep medicine physicians who can see anyone nationwide through a telemedicine platform. And, you know, but I think part of it is, you're right, it's guiding people to know where to go to once they start thinking, yes, I have something maybe going on that may be related to my sleep. Right, right. That's awesome. That sounds like a, a Knox House has really put together all these resources. So, you know, it's easier for people to just go to one place and find the resources. That's the hope. I mean, I, you know, one of the passions I had with sleep initially, I think, you know, sleep definitely is unique in that you can come from a lot of different specialties 
and do a fellowship in sleep medicine. So it is multidisciplinary, which I love that. Um, I think sometimes what happens because of it is it can become fragmented because, you know, it can be incorporated in your practice. And, you know, sometimes the testing is in one part, the treatment somewhere else. And the one thing that's been really nice about only doing sleep is one, you can work with your community partners to say, hey, we're here to help, but you can take care of someone from the beginning to the end and continue to manage, continue that follow-up process, which is really key because so many things that we do in sleep is behaviorally based. And changing in one's behaviors is really hard. And it's really easy to go back to what you're doing and having someone who kind of keeps you accountable, um, I think ultimately helps um, someone successful in their therapy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. For myself, I treat insomnia and um, sometimes definitely I see, I, I hear symptoms of sleep apnea, right? So I have to think about where do I refer this person to get a sleep study? or to get other things checked out. Then I have to refer them to all kinds of different doctors and clinics nearby and then try to get the result back. <laughs> it's really hard. It is hard, exactly. And I think, you know, people are like, you know what, I'll do it later. And, and you see yeah. that a lot. And so if you can make it easier so that they don't have to think through that and, you know, really kind of meet someone in the middle to say, we want to make this as easy and support you. Um, it would make your life easier also. Um, yeah, I definitely Absolutely. have patients, they they said, okay, I will do that. And then where they go has a long waiting list. Then after several months, I check in, they still haven't done that. <laughs> All of those are correct. Absolutely. So um, yeah, so that, our goal is hopefully to to minimize all those barriers because there are there are a ton of barriers that people go through. And it's hard. It's hard to take time off of work or pull kids from school to do it. And so finding a way that that works, but also taking away all those, what we call those, you know, pain points, like, you know, working with insurance if it's there and getting the test to them either in their home or in the lab, depending on what's appropriate, going through all the therapy options and addressing every issue they may have that may impact, you know, their therapy, you know, so if they do have coexisting, if they have sleep apnea, coexisting insomnia or restless legs, addressing it together and figuring that out and saying, hey, we're here to keep following you through this journey to make sure you're successful. Yeah, I, I love that model. I always love that, like, you know, uh, one station for all service, this kind of like, you know, systematic um, thing. But I'm curious myself, you know, in my own clinic, I do see an increase of numbers of patients seeking help over the past several years, especially after COVID. I think people's lifestyle changed dramatically, right? And right now people are trying to change back. That's another round of transition. Uh, so I'm curious for you in your practice, um, in different uh, organizations you've been working, do you notice similar uh, trend for patients seeking sleep-related treatment? 100% for all the reasons you describe. I mean, COVID, um, there a lot of things happened during the time of COVID. Um, you know, definitely habits changed for sure, where now people's living environment became their work environment. You know, for some people, they became also teachers to their kids. And so now you had that in there or people who were used to traveling for work no longer could do that. So one sleep schedules were altered, um, you know, and we saw that people were following it or maybe delaying their sleep time. Almost what we call that social jet lag. We're now, hey, I can stay up a little bit later. Maybe we can you know, binge watch some shows a little bit more. We can sleep in a little bit. And that caused issues um, on top of it. You know, we have people now 
who maybe were sharing beds with a partner that they weren't before because maybe they were traveling and they could identify, hey, there are more issues with your sleep. You know, your snoring is affecting me. And so you get this checked out or, you know, anxiety you know, definitely was amplified during this time and still there. And that definitely impacted sleep. And then the reverse is true. If you have poor sleep, it definitely adversely affects anxiety, depression. So I think definitely we saw an uptick in people coming in for either, you know, changes in their sleep cycle, more issues with, you know, sleep apnea, um, either at least being identified or wanting to be addressed now that they were in that home environment um, and insomnia. Absolutely. Mm, wow. Yeah. And right now people are start going back to work uh, in the office again. And I, I heard a lot of complaints. And this weekend, we're going to have time change. I know that is hard for some people too. It is. Um, you know, this one is a little bit gentler than the one in March, where at least we can gain, you know, we gain that hour, you know, but it's it's hard whenever you have a time change in general. Um, people definitely feel the effects of it. Um, and especially when we lose that hour and, you know, extend the day, that's a very hard, you know, a hard issue for people. And we definitely see more sleep issues during that time. And so a lot of it is hopefully, you know, educating as much as we can on getting your body ready, maybe, you know, in this one, maybe the day before, the one in March, a couple of days before, so that maybe it's not such a dramatic change when it happens. But yeah, I mean, definitely we see more issues where they are much more sluggish that week after our teenagers really feel the effects of it. Definitely we see more, you know, car accidents and cardiovascular events during that week. Oh, yeah. Could be very dangerous. So since we talk about that, we touched this a little bit. So uh, we still, oh, the, the, when the when this episode is out, possibly people already uh, finished that time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Okay, we can. <laughs> but I'm still curious for a future reference, right? One day before this November time change. Yes. What are some things you think could be helpful for people? So I think, you know, maybe even setting your clock to get ready for it, even the day before, um, maybe giving yourself a little bit more daylight, even in the evening hours, just a little bit like going outside, keeping, you know, always say keep a consistent sleep and wake schedule is always an important thing as well. At least the day leading up to it, that Saturday is when you want to start getting ready for that time change the next day. And then the one in March, you usually want to do it a few days beforehand. Setting your clock back an hour before, um, one hour before dinner, the night before daylight savings, rather than when you go to bed. So start it earlier in the evening that you've already said, essentially daylight savings are starting now, if that makes sense. And so you're resetting your eating behavior and then supporting now the new bedtime you're about to have. Ah, oh, so basically the day before you start eating one hour early. Exactly correct. So starting it at like, you know, the hour before dinner, change it then. Okay. And then the night before, yeah, in the late afternoon, evening, go outside, get some of that sunlight to naturally extend your wake period. And you don't want to do it too early so that you don't, you know, delay your natural sleep time, but you want to just do it the day beforehand. And then, yeah, follow your typical routine. So don't change that routine. So again, hopefully eliminating light devices the hour before bed, hopefully get a book um, just to kind of get your brain and body ready for sleep. And then, um, and that really would probably be the biggest thing to, to do right, you know, the day beforehand. 
Oh, okay. Good to know. So just one day before could already be helpful. Do yes, absolutely. Need, so my question is, do people need to go to bed early that night? I think, so. I mean, I think you would follow. So if you start it to, you know, essentially to say, I'm going to start, you know, moving that clock an hour back, follow what your bedtime would be naturally with that. Oh. So it helps it kind of cue in to say, hey, if this is when I would go to bed normally is 10 o'clock, I'm going to look at the clock now that I put an hour behind and I'm going to follow that clock. Okay. I'm going to try it this week. <laughs> we'll see if it works. Yes. Try for Saturday night, move it back early and see if it makes a difference. Yeah. Right. So everything shifts earlier. But if yes. we shift the clock, but we also need to remind ourselves to step outside a little bit. Yes. Just to extend, because you might be, you know, you might be a little bit more tired. So as to say, hey, let's extend it a little bit. We want to delay it just a little bit naturally, but don't do it a couple of days beforehand. Um, just do it right that day before. Great. Great. Good tips. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, so are you right now, like what are the most common sleep disorders you treat uh, in your office? So the most common is, you know, probably obstructive sleep apnea. Um, and so I, we see definitely a, a good number of that. Often, though, I think we see with it that people have other disorders, either coexisting or even sometimes behaviorally, you can develop insomnia. Um, so insomnia is incredibly common as well. And so always our question when it comes to insomnia was, is it a consequence of having maybe disrupted sleep for a long time, where now it's difficult for the essentially to wind down or they develop behaviors that may perpetuate that insomnia? Could they have potentially underlying restless leg syndrome? which may mask itself as looking at insomnia because they can't fall asleep due to that. Or, you know, sometimes people are natural night owls that are working jobs that don't allow them to be, and that has created an insomnia pattern. I would still, you know, say sleep apnea for sure, but often we see other disorders that coexist with it. And then I would definitely say that, you know, insomnia is very, very common as well, um, independent of that. And I definitely think we've seen a marked, increase in that during the time of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Similar to my observation on the insomnia part. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Dr. Randy, for sharing all this wonderful information with us. If any audience are curious about your work, where can they find you or read more about your work? Absolutely. So um, we our website is knoxhealth.com and I welcome anyone to come check us out. And yes, we are here and we want to help. Yeah, definitely love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Rani. Thank you for listening. Thanksgiving is coming up. So my clinic, Mind Body Garden Psychology, will give out 50% off coupon to all our online courses, including my own insomnia treatment course at deepintosleep.co slash insomnia. So coupon code is MBGTHANKS2022. And the deadline is November 30th. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Dr. Ishan. I will see you next time. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. 
and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.